2: What about you, but I've had a uh, kind of a busy week, and whenever you have a busy week, it's easy to believe that what's going on around you is bigger than the God you carry within you. But we know that's not true, don't we? You know why you're holy? Because He is holy. You know what, holiness really means consecrated. It means completely given to, dedicated and he is holy in himself, and you are holy in him. That means you can't get any holier. It won't happen. Now, it does allow that in those days when you are lost in your soul, lost in the difficulties of the day, things surrounding you, it does allow that by faith you, uh, you may not feel it. You may not recognize it. Those things are true. But the one thing that we have the most difficult time with as Christians is owning the truth. Determined faith. Believing what is true regardless of what it appears to be. Walking in the reality of his love and life within you. Knowing that you can't possibly change who you are in Christ. And your behavior or the behaviors of of others will not adjust that in any way. The only obstacle from you knowing the true holiness of your life is your unwillingness to believe. It's not the enemy. The enemy is all about promoting you into unbelief. But he can't move your will. You have to do that. Well, today we're returning to Second Timothy chapter 2. We left off in chapter 2. We left off at verse 13. And spirit permitting, we're going to cover verses 14 through 19. And I'm going to depart from using the Amplified to avoid some of the confusion in their interpretation of the Greek I'm going to use the New American Standard version. It is a good translation. But for those of you who've gone out and bought an Amplified, because I teach how to amplify it all the time, do not worry, I'll be returning to it. But this particular section of Scripture, I think is well represented in the uh, New American Standard and doesn't allow for as much confusion in the translation. One of the things that I have not talked about and that we need to understand about this particular, well, about the pastoral epistles is some of what's going on is the same thing that went on when Jesus left the earth. His physical presence departed from the earth. He worked very hard to prepare the hearts and minds of the disciples to recognize that the whole dynamic would change, right? That he wouldn't be around for them to depend upon anymore. They could not look to something outside of faith to trust. They had to look within themselves to the Spirit of God to move forward. Well, we're coming to the end of the apostolic age. And what is happening is that Paul is preparing Timothy for the reality that Paul was leaving pretty quick. Peter, shortly thereafter, the apostles would be departing. And these, these men who did all of the writing and discipling of the church, the writing of scripture and the discipling of church, these men would no longer be around to look to. And that would be a little bit difficult because the church just began. This is the church age now. They would no longer be able to say, well, you know, uh, Paul was just here and he said. They would have to detach Paul's teaching from Paul. They would have to detach the work of Paul from Paul. And that's not easy. But you know, you know in your own life, God has continually pulled the supports out of those things that have allowed you to go forward without faith, hasn't he? And he will continue to do that because here's the thing, he wants us to understand that there is nothing external out there around you that holds you up. What holds you together is God himself and his spirit within you. And knowing and growing and being discipled in truth. Yes, it depends upon you being obedient to what God has asked you to do. And you hear me teach all the time about the moorings of truth. It's important that you're obedient to the things that God has told you to do. You need to be here. You need to hear the Word of God. You need to study the Word of God. You need to pray in truth. All of those things need to be going on and it needs to be for you and forward-stepping motion of walking by faith in truth, constantly reaching for those things that God has placed before you that affirm the truth within you. And one of the biggest obstacles is all of the readily available stuff that we have that allows us to touch on truth and move on. Touch on what God said and move on. A little bit here, a little bit there, right? So the enemy says to you, well, don't sit down in front of the Bible because you're not going to get a whole lot out of it. Why don't you tune in to old brother Horsewhip, man? He's got a good sermon. And uh, he'll get you lined out. No. You need to be obedient to what God's put before you. And you need to hear what he has to say to you. Okay. Paul is writing, as you know, from that notorious Roman dungeon known as the Maritime Prison. And there he awaits his arraignment and subsequent execution. So Paul seeks to encourage Timothy. He wants Timothy to understand that he's not going to be around. He wants to encourage Timothy in the truth, encourage Timothy in the ministry. And he wants to warn him about the relentless work of the enemy to twist the truth. The relentless work of the enemy to lead people away from the Word of God or to twist the Word of God. So I'll remind you of a verse that uh, what, what the Spirit of God wrote to Timothy in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. It says, You, therefore, my son, writing to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, that's how the church is going to survive. That is how the church is going to survive at the departure of the apostles. That is how they're going to go forward. They're going to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We are continually, constantly strengthened in grace because we are in Christ. We are in Christ We're not outside looking in, we're inside looking out. He has enveloped our being in the person of grace. And as we look at our text, we're going to see that the Spirit of God, through Paul's pen, is giving us some very clear instructions. Please understand, I know these are referred to as pastoral epistles, but they're they're to you as well. They're just as relevant to you. The strength of the body is dependent upon the disposition of the head and the health and vitality of its members. These warnings are as relevant today as they were then. So, let's look at our text. If you'll stand and read with me, we're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 14 through 26. Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that their resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows whose are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now, beginning in verse 14, Paul writes, Remind the people of the facts. And what people and what facts are we talking about? We're talking about the church of Ephesus. And Paul is is writing about the church, the responsibility of Timothy and the leaders to make the following things a priority. And this is in present tense. So what he's saying, what it really means to us, is to remind and keep on reminding. And it's not because the Ephesians were particularly dense. The truth is, everybody knows that what's not rehearsed in the soul has a very short shelf life, doesn't it? What is not asserted in the soul constantly will eventually fade from our eyes. We also know this as a parent's. How much reminding does, does a parent have to do? Well, quite a bit. And guess what? For the younger parents, it doesn't end. It goes on and on. Well, why? Because... In order for something to be true in our lives, in order for something to be concrete and habitual, it must ever be before us. Otherwise, it's very easily dismissed, it's very easily set aside, it becomes just, as a matter of fact, a reaction, or when I get around to it. Paul doesn't want that for the uh, Ephesian church fellowship, for the Ephesian members. So he says, Timothy, I want you to constantly remind them. God created us to be dependent on his constant nurture and guidance. The world knows even knows this. How many times do you see the same commercial repeated over and over again, particularly during election, right? Well, the enemy knows that a lie repeated often enough will eventually come become somebody's truth, won't it? Well, Paul says, bring the truth, remind them of the truth. And he's, he's also referring to verses 1 through 13. He says, remind them to live as athletes who are running to win and are willing to, re- to make the necessary sacrifices to compete by giving their all. Remind them that they are to be working hard, Hard-working farmers who plant and strive to overcome every obstacle to the harvest of truth and enjoy the result of the crop. Remind them that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and has conquered every enemy of truth. Remind them of the power of the Word of God, which cannot be denied. Remind them of the purpose of the gospel, that the elect may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal life. Remind them that He is our reward. And by his life, we will endure to reign with him. Remind them, Timothy. Remind them of to call upon his life as their own. And to determine his purposes are their own. Remind them of the preeminence of Christ in their life. Verse 14 continues. He says, And solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Well, how serious is this? I charge you in the presence of God. In the recognition of the presence of God. Before God, I command you, is what he's saying. Paul is talking about words that argue against the word of God. Do not make the Bible answerable to man. Do not make the Bible just part of man's philosophy are an addendum to his reason. In C.S. Lewis' screw-tape letters, one of the older demons is writing to a younger demon. And If you never read that, this is a great book. But one of the older demons is writing to a younger demon, telling him how to deal with Christians in order to be effective. The first screw-tape letter is written to junior demon Wormwood, and it goes like this. Your man that is, the Christian you're trying to influence, has been accustomed ever since he was a boy to having a dozen incompatible philosophies dancing about together inside his head. He doesn't think of doctrines as being primarily true or false, but as academic or practical jargon, not argument, is your best ally in keeping him from church. End quote. We know a lot, and we believe very little. That's the sickness of our society. We know a lot and believe very little. <laughs> the Bible says knowledge puffs up. Well, you know what that does? As knowledge puffs up, it crowds faith out. And so, so many people are walking around with what they know about Christ, or what they know about the Bible, crowding out any faith that would keep them absolutely, intimately connected with the person of Christ. But they uh, rather hold on to what they know. Some translations use the word wrangling, and it refers to the answering to Scripture with lies and distortion, abandoning sound doctrine, polluting truth with philosophy and man-centered doctrine, The enemy will sow lies among the truth so that we'll become worldly in our perspective. And this is how many in the modern church have become accepting of homosexuality, of abortion, of premarital sex, or to put it politely, living together. Corrupt doctrine and casual acquaintance with the word of God results in children of God being conformed to this world in the soul. And you know when Paul talks about be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, he's not talking about who you are spiritually, he's talking about what you've allowed yourself to believe about who you are. He's confronting the mind, will and emotions. And what he's saying is do not allow the world to shape you. And it will. Because as you've heard me say, you're going to be conformed to something The soul is a vacuum. You're going to be conformed to something. God intends that it be him, that it be his life, his truth. Some of you who follow Facebook may have seen a quote that I posted by A.W. Tozer. Well, I post a lot by A.W. Tozer, but this specific post. And he writes, Religion today is not transforming people, it's being transformed by people. It's not raising the moral level of society. It's descending society's own level and congratulating itself that it scored a victory because society is smilingly accepting its surrender. Is that elitist and judgmental? No. It's declaring to the world that we are children of God. We are not of this world. We are not flesh we're the people of God and folks there is to be a distinction if there isn't something's definitely wrong sadly wrong with your belief system we will determine as children of God we will determine to love every man with the love of God we will not compromise the truth we will not set aside God's word for the sake of man this kind of useless controversy over petty words, the original language says it leads to the ruin of hearers. And I want to make a couple of comments about that. First, what Paul refers to here will work against believing faith. All right? That's what he It will work against believing faith. It cannot destroy true faith because Christ is in us and he is the author and finisher of our faith. But it promotes unbelief in the believer's soul and affirms unbelief in the soul of the non-Christian. Second, it doesn't imply an intense study of these things. But what really what it's saying is a casual hearing of these things. So, folks, that would include a passive listening to a radio or television preacher or preachers that do not preach the whole word of truth. You would argue that you take the truth and leave the rest, but I would remind you that you are sheep, and apart from the determined obedience to the shepherd's guidance of, or his word, you don't know green pastures from briar patches. You don't know wolves from sheepdogs. It's God who gives us the insight to see those things. It's God who reveals those things to us. But listen, if the disposition of your heart is just to know enough to get along, guess what? You'll walk into every briar patch out there. Because you're knowing God according to the flesh. And whenever you seek to know God about God rather than to know Him intimately, you are knowing God according to the flesh. You're knowing whatever man could know that they had the intellectual capacity to consume the word of God and all the various writings about it. You're knowing what the Pharisee knew and how much good did it do them. What God has called us into is not a knowing in terms of an academic or an intellectual knowing, but you've heard me say this over and over again, an intimate knowing. All right, let's look at verse 15. Now, this verse is the one that I kind of moved off of the uh, Amplified because of. And that's because this verse has been really twisted about. You've heard it preached many times. And I think, to a large degree, it's preached from a wrong perspective. Verse 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Now, how many of you have got study Stuck in there. Well, good for you. But most translations, including the Amplified, will put study in there. And let me tell you, it is not in the original language. Study is not in the original language. It is used to reflect the intensity with which we should pursue the truth of God. But the word that is used, the Greek word there, is diligence. That is the word that is used. That's what that's what it's talking about. Diligence. It describes an all-out, a continual striving to present yourselves, which is to yield yourself to His presence. Not going out, going out and finding, or going into His presence, but yielding yourself to the reality of His presence. And as you're in his presence, this is how you present yourself. This is your bona fides to be in his presence. You are approved to God. The approved word, dokimas, dokimas means accepted. You are present to present yourself as Accepted. It's not based on how much you know that you're accepted. It's not how much study you've done that makes you accepted. But you are accepted because you are in Christ. So present yourself with confidence before God as accepted. Now you're going to see later why this is so important. But you can already surmise, one of the biggest issues we have with people not picking up the Word of God is a total lack of confidence. A total lack of of willingness to believe that God wants them to know it worse than they want to know it. The enemy has taken the Word of God and turned it into something academic, something intellectual, and having 400 score commentaries really hasn't helped us any. The reality of it is that it is the Spirit of God that's going to take the truth of God and bring the revelation of God to you through the Word of God. And that's why God says, show up, you'll get a good meal here. But you need to come into His presence, recognizing that you are not going to be equipped. You are equipped. You're not going to be approved. You are approved. Now, how many of you have been beaten up by that scripture? Go ahead, be honest. I have. Study to show yourself approved. Okay? So the first question in my mind is how much? Where's that line drawn, right? Is that what you think? Or maybe I'm weird. How much? How much do I have to do? And by the way, how do you define study? What's your method? And how deep and intense? And do I need to know the Greek? Do I need to know the Hebrew? I mean, how far do I go with this? Well, I'll tell you, I, I can't do all of that. I don't have the, the mind to do all. I'll just listen to old brother horsewhip. That's what I'll do. You know, he throws those Greek words around. He knows what he's talking about. I'll let him bring my theology all cut up and ready to eat.
1: Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation To His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.